as if the question was intended for anyone in particular. In any case, there is no reply. She is surprised by how many have made their way here, and on such a night. Most she recognises, in the glint of the lamp that hangs above the porch. The old village families, the Barkers and the Josephs, the boys and the Lintots and the Reedmans. There are only one or two women. There are also, so far as she can make out, three or four gentlemen, the cut of their clothes setting them apart. One is particularly tall and broad. She does not recognize them, and they are out of place in this rural setting. Men of business or medicine or property, the kind whose names grace the pages of the local newspaper during Goodwood Week. Connie shivers. Her shoulders are heavy with rain and her feet numb, but she dare not move. She does not want to give herself away. Her eyes dart to her father, but Gifford is no longer standing in the same place, and she cannot pick him out in the crowd. Is it possible he has gone inside the church? The minutes pass. Then a movement in the far corner of the graveyard, Connie catches her breath. The woman has her back to her, and her features are hidden beneath her merry widow. But she thinks she's seen her before. Drops of rain glisten on the iridescent feathers of the wide brim of the hat. She, too, appears to be hiding, concealing herself in the line of trees. Connie is almost certain it is the same woman she saw on the marshes last week. She certainly recognizes the coat double-seamed and nipped tight at the waist. No one comes to Blackthorn House. They have few near neighbours and her father is not on visiting terms with anybody in the village. But Wednesday last, Connie noticed a woman standing on the path, half obscured by the cattails, keeping watch on the house. A beautiful blue double-seamed woollen coat and green dress, though the hem was flecked with mud willow plumes and a birdcage veil obscuring her face. A tall, slim silhouette, not at all the sort of person to be walking on the flooded fields. She assumed the woman would come to the front door and present herself, that she had some purpose in being there, someone new to the village coming to deliver an invitation or an introduction. But Connie waited, and after a few minutes of indecision, the woman turned and vanished into the wet afternoon. Connie wishes now she had gone out and confronted their reluctant visitor, that she had spoken to her. Is she here? Whispered words in the dark bring Connie back from last week to this cold, wet churchyard. The same words, but a different question. The bells begin to toll, echoing across the wild headland, Everyone turns, each set of eyes now fixed upon the western door of the tiny church. Blood, skin, bone. Connie finds herself staring too. Is she imagining that the crowd stands back to allow those who have come, apparitions, spirits, to enter the church? She refuses to give in to such superstition, yet something is happening some movement through the mist and air. 
an imprint of those who have felt death's touch upon their shoulder? Or a trick of the light from the wind-shaken lamp above the door? She does not consider herself impressionable, yet this promise of prophecy catches at her nerves too. This is no place for the dead. From her hiding place, Connie struggles to see past the men's shoulders and backs and the canopy of umbrellas. A memory, deeply buried, sparks suddenly in her mind. Black trousers and shoes. Her heart drums against her ribs, but the flash of recollection has burned out already. Someone mutters under his breath, an angry complaint. Connie parts the branches with her hands in an attempt to see more. Shoving and jostling male voices rising, the sound of the door of the church flung open, banging on its hinges, and the men surge inside.